Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, Vlord here. In case you did not read the description of this episode, we do go into spoilers about Demon Slayer Mugen Train. So if you have not read the manga or do not want to get spoiled about anything in the film, proceed with caution. Anyways, enjoy this episode. This podcast may contain coarse language. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, this podcast will obviously contain spoilers for Demon Slayer. Please beware, listen at your own risk. Welcome to the Demon Slayer Podcast. I am VLORGTZ, and with me, I have my usual co-hosts, Marion and Sakaki. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? But also with us today, we have a special guest. Gasp. Hello there. Never happened before. I mean, it has been a while since we've had a guest. But, uh, good sir, would you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, my name is Daryl Harding, also known as Dr. Dazza. I am a anime journalist living in Japan. I, uh, I write for Crunchyroll News and Features, and yeah, this is probably the second movie I've been able to watch this year because of everything going on. But I'm here to talk about it, so I'm excited. Yes, uh, t- I mean, today we are talking about the uh, Demon Slayer Mugen Train movie, uh, which a lot of Demon Slayer fans have been highly anticipating, but only those in Japan right now can really watch it because obviously there's a pandemic and lots of theaters are closed. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it wouldn't have been released day and date in America anyway. Yeah, that that, that is definitely true too. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that. But yeah, we really wanted to get Daza on to kind of just talk about it and kind of get a really good first impression. But uh, before we get straight into it here, I wanted to ask you, Daza, like, how did you get into Demon Slayer? Watch the anime, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, how else did anyone get, get into it? It wouldn't have sold 100 million copies if the anime didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, basically, I saw the first trailer. And I was like, all right, it's jump and it's UFO, UFO table. So I already loved UFO table from Fate. Who doesn't? And I was just excited for another weekly series from them. I didn't know it was going to be so good and basically destroy all records everywhere. Totally fair. You know, like the, when it was announced that it was going to be UFO table, uh, I remember feeling I feeling so vindicated because uh like people who who listened already know cuz I when I introduced myself for episode 1 like I I I found the series from like chapter 1 and like was keeping up with it like throughout its run and stuff and then once like other people like famous people started talking about it uh at one point uh Kinoko Nasu from Fate was like oh yeah this series Demon Slayer this is pretty good 
And I'm like, wait, if this means what I think it means. <laughs> and then like sooner, sooner or later, like a year and a half later, do a full table. I'm just like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. All is right in the world. Like, holy shit, man. I remember my first impressions of Demon Slayer was at Jump Festa 2016, no, 2017. So it was probably like just after it started serializing. And it was like, what is this weird looking manga that's running in Jump? Because it looks so different to everything else that's kind of was running at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone else was kind of apprehensive about it as well, at least compared to like the other big series, just because it looked a lot different. Not saying it looks bad, just saying it looks very different than other ones. And once they finally got a taste, like just that, just that little taste of it, people were like, nah, I'm on board with this. This is. This is a train I'm going to ride right to the end. Not that you should be riding any Demon Slayer trains. They're very dangerous. Yeah, don't go on the train. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I know, like, uh, like Marion, I've been with the series since chapter one of the manga. So it, it's kind of that vindicating feeling of, like, seeing it explode. And uh, the anime, like you said, it really kind of was the catalyst to all that. Just the sheer amount of talent Yufa Table put into that adaptation um, is kind of mind-boggling in a way. It's the perfect series, I think, because you've got the really good animation, but you've also got the really good action to get sort of the more action-oriented anime fans or manga fans in. But you've also got the really pretty characters, which brings the female audience in as well. And especially in Japan, where you've got this huge uh, Baishonen kind of uh, audience just built in that love the kind of shipping the love like the weird eccentric character designs and you just got like the perfect blend that was there to make a hit basically yeah yeah i totally agree but going into the movie itself like uh did you have any like expectations like had you uh read ahead in the manga at all at that point or like did, did you know anything going in oh yeah i've read the entire manga i read it uh i think it was what oh, august i sat down and finally finished it in two nights uh, from, like, from like where the anime stopped i was just like all right i'm just gonna like check it out and might read a few chapters here and there two nights it was done that's a giant binge right there <laughs> was that after it ended serialization yes nice. i kind of so like waited the whole the thing end. ready that's awesome yeah and i hadn't been spoiled as, at all for it so it was a it was a ride it was a, a it was a very good very good train ride but i i will be honest like in my own personal opinion for like at least for the manga i just yeah. wish it was longer or like more more world building i guess there's such a great world there that mm-hmm. is now kind of finished and i it makes me sad there's so much more oh, yeah. so many more stories you can tell so i'm happy that we're getting like side story manga and stuff like that, even if it's just to promote the movie. Yeah, I, I, this is definitely like the kind of series that lends itself really well to like, okay, now it's over. Now we can like we can do like side story stuff. Like, uh, I know uh, for like Bleach, we had like the the real Go Narita light novels for like what happens after the uh, the final fight in Bleach or whatever. Like, I would love to see that kind of content for Demon Slayer. Oh yeah. Especially with the ending, how it was. I'd love to see them do things. Mm-hmm. No spoilers. Them do things. I mean, yeah, we 
You can spoil it. You can spoil it. <laughs> yeah. I want to see modern day demons, okay? But I yeah. suppose that's, that's Jujutsu Kaisen, so. That is. Yeah, I guess it sort of is. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you just have a Yushiro rampaging everywhere. Oh, the dream. The dream. <laughs> I was just gonna say we exactly what you said is what we were saying in the like the final episode the final episodes of the podcast as we were wrapping up the serialization we were reading it week to week well sort of week to week but yeah we were saying the same thing there was like oh man i mean it's a great series and we wouldn't change very much of it but it did feel like towards the end that goto gay was just kind of like all right and you know lightning round mode and just kind of dusted the rest off not i mean i'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing because it is nice to see in this day and age a jump series end and not be canceled. <laughs> but um yeah, it did feel like there 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 was more to tell there and it would have been nice to see it, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a problem with a lot of jump series. Unless you're Naruto, One Piece, or Dragon Ball, that just don't really end ever. Uh they kind of just wrap up really quickly. The last two chapters are just like, alright, nice little package, done, let's go. Bye. Because Bakuman, my favorite series, that did the exact same thing. It was like, they got their dream. Oh, now he's a billionaire. Now that's the end of the series. I'm like, no, how did he become a billionaire? You, you haven't told me this part of the story yet. Yeah, it, it feels you it, like they end, but uh, for a lot of people, you don't get enough closure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the movie, going in, I I mean, I was just expected that the anime, but on the big screen. I don't think there's anything else I could really say to that. It was, I mean, that's all I expected. It was just the anime, but on a giant IMAX screen. Yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes more of the same, especially in Demon Slayer's case, is not like a bad thing. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. It's already one of the best looking anime, TV anime series is out there, hands down. So seeing that on a big screen would have been perfect. I would have been happy with that. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of the big screen, uh, how was like the actual like physical theater experience? Like, was there social distancing? Um, and how was it like compared to like experiences you've had, like say, in like overseas? So, by far, Japanese cinemas are some of the best cinemas I've ever been to. I've been to American cinemas. I've been to a lot of Australian cinemas, and sorry, theaters. I've been told that cinemas is a very pompous way of calling it, but that's what we're talking about, Australia. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> my my editor was like, you keep saying cinemas, but that's very pompous. I'm like, what? Really? I'm not it's pompous. Not, okay. we're, getting the, we're getting the culture, the, the experience. It's okay. Yeah, no. It's that high class term. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the Japanese theater experience is some of the best in the entire world. People are quiet. The screens look perfect, basically. And the seats aren't sticky, which is oh, very oh. important. Um, so I love going to cinemas in Japan. Uh, there's no subtitles for most films, by the way. Except American films are subtitled into Japanese, which is kind of a bit funny to watch. Uh, but in terms of right now, because of COVID and everything, uh, what, what cinemas have been doing before was just leaving like a space in between each seat. So you don't have someone sitting next to you. Uh, they kind of got rid of that for most cinemas for Demon Slayer. Now, it wasn't specifically for Demon Slayer per se, but it was just coincidence that it happened on the same day. Like, Toho Cinemas, my local cinema, um, I think it was 109 cinemas. They're, they're all 
Tokyo-based ones, mm-hmm. uh, removed the restrictions on seating so they could fit more people in, obviously. But I was lucky enough at my screening to not have anyone sitting next to me. And I chose like a seat right at the back. So no one was sitting behind me either. Oh. And I think that's really important is to make sure there's no one behind you to sneeze on you, I guess. Um, and it was actually really funny. I was actually running late to the movie because they had announced that Evangelion had a release date. And so I had to write that story beforehand before going to the movies. And then my bus was running late, so I only had five minutes to actually get my ticket and get in. So I was kind of rushing. And before you go into the theatre, you have to uh, sanitise your hands, of course, and you get temperature checked. So you have to, like, stand in front of, like, a temperature thing and make sure it's okay. So that kind of stressed me out a little bit, (laughs) to be honest. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, in terms of the theater experience, I saw an IMAX. I saw like Mugen Train in IMAX, and it it was a it's like do you know what a LIMAX is? Like a LIMAX, the LIMAX term? No, what is that? No. So there's two different forms of IMAX. There's the proper like what you'd expect to be IMAX, and then you have IMAX light. So it's kind of like IMAX, but not the same full IMAX standard. So okay. I think I think it's it is laser projected, but it's not the same resolution. I'm, I'm someone may like tweet me and tell me I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the difference. So my local theater has an IMAX, but I think it's one of those ones and not the full IMAX experience. Basically, it's still better than regular cinemas, but it's still not the full IMAX experience. Um, Makes sense. But yeah, so the sound was good. The the actual picture quality was amazing. Although it wasn't uh, like a film aspect ratio, it was still 16 by 9. So that was a bit, I don't know, that's a thing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of the actual cinema experience, it was really good. It's a normal Japanese experience, just with some more checks and balances, I guess. I mean, that already sounds like a fantasy compared to like any US cinema like I've ever been to. Oh yeah, like all the cinemas I've been to everywhere else have always had like some sort of problem with the screen or in, in Australia, we actually had a real problem with the best, best cinema we had in my hometown uh, used to show anime, which was great. But they used to not open up the plate well. So when it, the movie would start, all the subtitles would be cut off at the bottom. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> So I think it was like yeah. four times I had to go to the manager and be like, you have to restart this movie with the subtitles. That's crazy. God, that's so bad. So, yeah, no, Japan's Japanese cinemas are, are, are perfect. They're immaculate, basically. The, the big chains, I should say. The, the smaller, like, independent cinemas are a bit more janky, but that's their charm, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, there's only so much you can do on, like, a smaller scale, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I guess, like, for your uh, screening in specific, though, like, I guess, like, obviously, like, you probably can't, like, give an exact number, but, like, how, like, filled was the theater? I would say probably around 70% full, I would say. Um, and I'm trying to think. The middle area, because it was actually quite a big theater, the middle area was basically full. So one that like directly looks into the screen. I was off the side 
because that's safer, I guess. Do people um, wear masks in theaters? Yeah, no, it's mandatory to wear masks. They actually they actually have uh, cameras. So most theaters in Japan have like infrared cameras where it looks on the looks on the audience to make sure they're not filming oh. anything. Stop egadorobo. Exactly. <laughs> um, there, there's fun fact. There's a new one of those now. Really? Oh man! Oh. He does. He does parkour. It it's it was supposed to start in <laughs> April, but because it, all the cinemas were closed in April, it started up. I think it was in June, and it's great. It, it's it's great. But he doesn't do the dance anymore, so I'm. I'm uh, Trade offs. I guess that's, like, that's the best part of it, though. Yeah. So they've got infrared cameras, and what they've been doing is using those infrared cameras to see if people are wearing masks. And if they aren't wearing masks, they get like a, excuse, excuse me, can can you put on your mask, sir? And they typically put their mask back on. Uh, may I ask what time of day it was that you went to go see it, just for background for everybody? Anybody uh, I saw the first screening of the day. So it was a 10, 10 a.m., 10, 10 it started. Um, which was the first screening in IMAX at my cinema. But I know the f- Toho cinemas in like Metropolitan Tokyo had screenings starting from about 7am, I'm pretty sure, 6 or 7. So I know a lot of people went went to see it before they went to work that day. Wow. And, uh, and then they, it kind of like ran through the night. I think the last screening was about 2am in some of the biggest cinemas in Tokyo. So... So, yeah, actually... it's like it's like Endgame here. It's crazy. <laughs> well, then that that actually leads into one of our other questions, which is just like, what's the impression of Demon Slayer popularity in Japan? But like, if oh, people God. are seeing it work, clearly <laughs> that seems to be you, a telltale clearly. sign. <laughs> so, one thing I have a lot of discussion with people with about Demon Slayer is I don't think people understand how big it is in Japan. Or that it's only a late night anime, so only adults like it. That is not true. Uh, Demon Slayer is so popular with every age group that you just can't get any merchandise for anything. So, for example, the other day I was going, I was going to the shops, which may be a foreign concept to Americans at the moment, but hear me out. Uh, I went to a department store where it had many shops with many people. And there was uh, kids just running around because I think there was a local nursery in the shopping center or something. And there's about 20 or 30 kids just running around that area. And I would say about half of them were wearing Demon Slayer shirts. Wow. That's 15 kids at least wearing just Demon Slayer related merchandise. And then uh, you walk into, say, Matsumoto Kiyoshi, which is like a drugstore here. But it has other things. Uh, you would hear the Demon Slayer opening just blaring all over. Um, there's Demon Slayer tatami mats that were just released. Uh, the the cinemas, when I was going there last month to go see Violet Evergarden, were already decked out in Demon Slayer like coverings. The, the, the elevators have the doors of Demon Slayer. Um, oh my god. Yeah, trains are decaled with Demon Slayer over here. Uh, they have a special Demon Slayer train running at the moment, based on the movie. I 
They really want you to get on that train. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, I can't get on the train because uh, my work have said you can't really travel outside the prefecture, which is totally understandable because of everything that's going on. Right. But I really want to catch that train because that it's an old steam engine. So, and they have uh, Demon Slayer related announcements from the movie, apparently. So that, which mm, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but hey, <laughs> uh, how, how do how do I, it? Demon Slayer is so popular here to the point where I have not seen the manga in stores at all. And if you know how much it's been selling, you would know how crazy that is. Yeah, I mean, like. If I recall, like, it broke, uh, I think, the sales number of, like, One Piece at its peak on Oricon, like, when, like, Marineford was running. Oh, it's it's surpassed One Piece by a, a huge margin. It's, this year alone, what was it, was it 60? 60 million copies this year alone? I saw that, 60 million. Was it 80 million? I think it was, it's either one of those, which is still unfathomable. Manga don't sell that much anymore. Yeah, and the lifetime is like well over 100 million now, which is... Yeah. Yeah, that's like up there with like Kochikame and like series that have been around for like ages. It's, I think it's surpassed Sailor Moon at this point. Oh yeah, definitely. So to give like some sort of thing is like, oh, you know that really influential Magical Girl series that everyone in the entire world loves? Demon Slayer's done better than that. In Japan alone. We gotta keep in mind that Demon Slayer only is four years old as a series. Like, it barely, barely ticked off four years. (laughs) Yeah, that's the craziest thing about it. And especially a lot of those sales are only from this, like, past two-year period. Which, like, just makes it even more ridiculous when you think about it. It's like, this really is kind of like a phenomenon that we haven't seen in manga or, like, anime in, like, a long time. Ever. Uh, this is the biggest thing in Japan ever, pop culture-wise. It's bigger than your name. If, this is going to sound really bad, if Shueisha had their finger on the pulse last year, when the anime exploded the series into popularity, this series would probably be bigger than Dragon Ball. But I know from people that Shueisha didn't expect it to be this popular so if you look at jump festa from last year there was nothing demon slayer there nothing that's why this year it's just they've gone full full ham with it because they're able to have the time the lead up for like merchandise and promotion and stuff like that not saying it's gonna be a jump festa i don't know if it'll be a jump festa but i do know that like all the stuff that's happening for this movie is based on how popular the TV anime series got the franchise. Mm-hmm. If anything, I expect at Jump Festa probably just the announcement of like, oh yes, there's more coming or whatever, just to keep the the excitement going. Yeah, I yeah I don't I don't know if they're doing a film or a TV another you know, anime series or what, but I I do expect something at least. That'd be stupid not to. I, I'd be surprised if we don't get anything because like it, at this point it's leaving money on the table and it's like that fervor is already there. Like you're gonna capitalize on that. Yeah. yeah. If they have if they have a TV anime series that just keeps going, that's just gonna print them money for a decade at least. I, I'm pretty sure that like if they 
or when we get like a season two announcement or whatever, they'll probably like splice the movie into like five or six episodes for <laughs> for that, and then just continue after that. I don't think they will. Really? Really? What makes you? What makes you say that? It's there's talk that they're trying to use Demon Slayer as a different way of uh, kind of adapting stuff in Japan. And like, we've had like Boruto and Dragon Ball where they've done that. They've spliced the movies into episodes, Mm. but because of like the distribution partners and uh, just how they're going to try and produce this work, they probably just going to keep continuing it. So by that, you mean like they'll just like continue on to like, uh, say like the red light district arc. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be an interesting approach. Yeah. I could, I mean, I could definitely see that because I mean, movie is going to, you know, y- you have it on TV animated. You have people that are watching on TV and maybe never buy a Blu-ray. Like I got my experience from that, but from a movie, it's like, if you go see it, if you want to see it again, you have to pay for it opposed to you know a tv anime where you really don't you know you could choose to buy the home video you could watch it once on tv for without it costing you anything so it is a smart way it is a smart approach to do it this way plus you're probably getting people who watch it in theaters who may not watch it on tv or may not buy home video so i i can't blame them if that's what route they decide to take for future adaptions uh in in japan uh, people might be surprised to hear this, but people actually still watch TV in Japan. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do show the movie before the next season. So like, oh, before the next season starts, like next week, here's the Mugen Train film on its first ever TV broadcast. Actually, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Thinking about it, that's exactly what they're going to do. Is they're going to be like, this is the first TV broadcast of Mugen Train, the biggest film ever to come out in Japanese cinemas. And then here's the anime. That does sound like yeah. a really smart idea. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thinking about it, that's what they do. Like, I've seen them do that for, like, they'll show, like, for Conan, they'll show, like, last year's movie slightly before the new one hits theaters. So yeah. that's not that's not unheard of. Oh, yeah, they do do that. <laughs> Which they uh, kind of blew up in their face this year when they had to delay the movie. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. God, they had all the merchandise out for it at 7-Eleven already. It was already out, and they're like, it's coming. And I'm like, it's not coming. It's it's not coming. Oh, that poor Akai family merch all back in the vault. Yeah, I mean, no, it was just... I I, I would have to wonder how the, the distri- distribution was handled with that, because like, even Shonen Sunday didn't really announce that it's not happening until, like... They were still... they. They still had advertisements in Shonen Sunday saying the movie's coming, even though the announcement all over like social media was like, yeah, it's not. So they had to write, uh, they wrote like, the very next issue, they wrote like a little paragraph saying, yeah, it's not coming, actually. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I know, but, I know with the, the, I know Jump as well, they had a lot of like announcements that were just like, oh, yeah, please ignore the announcements in the magazine. <laughs> they, were, they were a bit wrong. You didn't see anything, it was all a dream. This was printed before we saw the future. I th- a lot of people were affected. And I know Conan was one of the what standout ones. Yeah. Because I don't think they even announced that the anime stopped airing. They they kind of just were like, oh, uh, 
Here are some uh, reruns now in HD. Yeah, they do that often with Conan, though. Like even when it's running normally, they'll just throw on HD remasters of old episodes. But yeah, it, it was definitely more pronounced with everything that happened. There was the longest stretch in a while where I think they were just running remasters because usually it's just like two or three at a time. It was yeah. a good three months. Yeah. 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 But like going back to the movie itself, like I, I'm just curious, like what was like your favorite scene from the movie? Favorite scene. Uh, so I have a few different ones for a few different reasons. There's the first kind of action scene where Rengoku kind of attacks, uh, like Enbu. He he just like goes straight for it. Um, I know it wasn't Enbu. Sorry, it was the the dream sequence one, uh, where he just goes straight for the demon and. I was just watching it because it happens in like the first 20 or so minutes and it rivals, no, it's better, sorry, than that of the episode 19. Wow. Scene. <laughs> right off the bat. Wow. And I'm just like, holy crap, this is amazing. I was flabbergasted by how good it looked. Uh, and then there's this, so that was one thing. Then there was also at the end where, uh, it was Rengoku versus uh, Akasa. Asa, Akasa. And Akaza. Yeah. They, it, the way they storyboarded it was really interesting. Because instead of having like this big showy fight, which they had those parts, of course, as well with the, with the breathing techniques, obviously. Um, it just kind of looked like two humans fighting it out. And I thought that really humanized Akasa very well. And as we know further on what happens, um, it was really good to see that kind of aspect already there in the film when I would have just expected just a massive fight scene, but it wasn't that, which makes me really happy. And then after that, when like Tanjiro does this scream to Akaza, he, it was so emotional that i cried just just the way he was the voice acting the music the animation and the emotion on tanjiro's face was just spectacular yeah that's awesome i was gonna ask if at any point did you cry (laughs) were there multiple times um no i think that was the only time i was too immersed in the animation i think um and it's not really like super emotional i guess besides the ending yeah, I mean, I think when most people think of that arc, it, it's really the ending where people, like, kind of start tearing up. Because, like, even, I remember Chandra's, like, uh, screaming at Akazi in the manga. That that got me emotional. So I'm just imagining, like, hearing Natsuki Hanai, like, screaming that out was probably, like, hits on a whole new level. I, actually, I will say, uh, like, Tanjiro's dream sequence as well was really well done. Oh, yeah. Well, I really um, want to see how they yeah. animate that. And, like... It's- Oh man, just like the imagery in in that uh, the dream sequence is really in the so, moment, so. One thing that really stood out to me for that was the backgrounds. Like the whole the backgrounds in the entire movie are amazing. Some of the best in this like I've ever seen. Like the first scene uh, is of the like the head head of the demon slayer corpse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of like walking through a graveyard, and 
the the graveyard is so detailed it rivals that of something like Spirited Away. Wow. And that's 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 a Ghibli film. That's it's Ghibli, you know. Uh, it, the backgrounds rival that of films that have such a huge impact that it's not funny. So that was one aspect was the really highly detailed backgrounds. Plus, with UFO UFO tables, three D uh, like background artists, they're able to really blend those two D aspects and the three D aspects to make just really good looking backgrounds that were so vibrant and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, da, da, da. Moving. They were, they were moving a lot, basically. So, but in the dream sequence with Tanjiro and his family, they instead went with a realistic angle with the snow. So it actually looked like there was just animation on live action, basically. Oh, wow. So when it first happens, and because it's like pure white, it's such a stark contrast to what we've just seen on the train or the dark train that it, it blinds you firstly. And then you're just like, is this, is this live action with just some like snow particles on top? But it wasn't, obviously. It's just a credit to the background artists. Would you say it's and- like... um? Uh, remember, I think was it like episode 20 or 21 where we got like Rui's flashback? And like there was a once uh cut particular where it's like you see like a river in like uh monochrome and it's like the the water looks incredibly realistic like it was almost uh like filmed. Oh yeah. Um there's a few things that look like that as well. Oh, um awesome. one other one was you know you know where Rengoku dies the sun kind of comes up. Right. Because they're trying to kill the demon with the sun. Mhm. The the shot there looks like a real sun coming up over the Japanese mountains. Wow. And they've just kind of like inserted the characters on top of the animation and just given them some sort of like back illumination. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me so much of, you know, Sarazan Mai? Yes. The yes. ending. Oh, the that. ending sequence? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. But that's, of course, it's all, it's all fake. It's, it's all animated. So right. it's just crazy to see that kind of work be done. You're really hyping up this movie. Like, damn, I, I really want to see it now. I, like I said, I was expecting just the, the more of the TV anime, but the way mm-hmm. they elevated the animation is just, it's, it's unfathomable that they're able to do that. And it's all perfectly clean as well. Like mm-hmm. there's no, usually when I see movies in theaters in Japan, there's still some sort of issue with the animation because they're probably you know running out of time or basically just that well, the production was delayed for any reason because animation is really hard to do. Here it was just perfectly clean. It looks like it's been done for months. Yeah, if we go by the impression that they were, they've been working on it since TV season ended because uh, that's when it was teased, then yeah, I mean it must have been. With the with, I'm I'm assuming that like they probably meant to premiere it earlier, but decided to push it back a little bit because of the pandemic. No, no uh, it was always as, since, uh, yeah. As far as I know, it's always supposed to be October sixteenth, or at least around around Halloween, I should say. Yeah, like I think that you had like a general October for a while, but like it never really moved from that date. So I, I'm surprised, like given everything that's gone on this year, especially like they were able to kind of just stay on schedule. 
And that just means that just speaks even better for the actual production schedule that they. Yeah, they I was just about on. to. I was just about to say because the TV's the TV series seemed like it had a pretty good production schedule too. So well, I'll say there's a lot of animation directors. A uh, lot, that would, yeah, that would, that they would threw a lot of people at this movie. That would explain it. <laughs> yeah, that would explain it. <laughs> uh, did you see any like uh, notable names in the credits that like people would be familiar with? Uh, through my tears, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Respectable. Uh, I tried. I tried having a look. I just saw the sheer amount of like animation directors on it. And I'm just like, what? That's because I'm used to like seeing Kyoto Animation films or uh, Makoto Shinkai film in cinemas, and they have like one or two animation directors, and like one or two, or maybe three or four unit directors. But here right. it was just like just names, just continuing names. Demon Slayer Yitzen with a wall of text. Yeah. <laughs> So. Oh, that. Speaking of the the ending, uh, the ending had a new song by Lisa, right? So yes, Homura. So okay, settle the score. Garen or Homura? Uh, Garenge, obviously. Garenge. Okay. I, yeah, I definitely right. think it's the it's the more boppy, I guess. Uh, Homura is a lot more solemn. I see. Which makes sense for where it is. Because I guess like Garenge, especially since it's like an opening, like it's supposed to like hype you up. Where, like, Homer is, like, the end of, like, uh, arc that's kind of supposed to be kind of sad at the end. So, yeah, you gotta have something a bit more somber. And one thing I really like about this arc in general is that they don't win. Yeah, technically. <laughs> like, it's a net loss, I would say. Yeah. Which which makes it so much more impact. It's kind of like Infinity War, I guess, in that respect, is that the heroes don't really win per se yeah like i think like i've talked to a lot of people about this and i feel the mugen train arc is is kind of like a turning point for the series in a way because it's the first time like yeah we really see tanjiro and co lose and they actually have to kind of learn to really kind of get stronger and really kind of face these challenges because we see akaza and akaza is probably the biggest strength gap in the series so far and, like, oh, yeah. Tanjiro has a goal now beyond just, like, saving Nesco. He has to preserve Rengoku's legacy and keep that alive. Yeah. Also, you heard it here. If it has Infinity in the title, you're gonna get, you're gonna get broken by it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you were looking this up uh, before we started the podcast itself, but where did the film, like, end exactly? So, I looked up the chapter exactly. And it was basically 6566. Um, so I had someone ask me on Twitter, was like, do you have Rengoku's family in it? And I said, yes, obviously. He, they're in it because they're part of the dream sequences, they're part of the flashbacks, all that sort of stuff. But what I forgot was the whole part after the story finished and Tanjiro goes to the family and trying to like explain some stuff and basically everyone cries. Uh, that's not in the film at all. The film kind of ends with the Hashida learning about the death of Kojuro. And that's basically it. You have like a, uh, a sequ- like a sequence with the salt, like Homura kind of like ramping up a little bit of just them all learning about the death and then kind of, expressing their first emotions for it 
and then fade to black credits. That's it. Damn. Oh, that's perfect. That's how I would have ended it. And that's how the theaters flood with tears. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, maybe it was 66 where it ended. Because it says... Yeah, it's 66. I'm looking looking through it right now. It's 66. Yep. Yeah, because it ends with, like, uh, Ubayashiki commenting on the death. Yes. Yeah, that's that's, that's exactly good. basically where it ends. Yeah, but there is some parts of sixty six that are not adapted yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I was thinking like if they weren't going to uh include Mugen Train in season two, they would start off with like Tanjiro visiting Rengoku's family. Just because that feels kind of like a natural way to kind of like start off like a season. Yeah. Pick up where they left off. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't see Muzan's uh, child form at all. Oh, no child Muzan. That, that's kind of sad. No. <laughs> Although I could imagine the season opening up with that. Yeah, I can see that. That could be a good cold open. So. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Marion's got a point. No, I like. I actually really like that more so than Tanjiro going to meet like the cold and then just being Muzan in this kid form. You know, then we kind of hop back to Tanjiro going to visit the family. Yeah, I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, it'd be actually. like a really like kind of chilling way to open everything up. Like, especially with Akaza getting into that kind of like blind rage after Muzan chastises him. Mm. Yeah. Lex, are you listening to us? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We've laid it out here for you guys. It's not hard. Just, just do it this way and you, everyone will cry. It's good. <laughs> but uh, seeing as like the most of the movie is basically, this is like the Rengoku movie. Uh, Oh, did yeah. your impressions did your impressions of him like basically change at all? Uh I know that you read the manga before, but I guess your experience uh watching it versus reading it, did, did it change anything about uh how you felt about him? Um, I didn't like Mugen Train all that much while reading it actually. I don't I can't I can't figure out why I felt that way. But I just maybe it was the feeling that they lost and that kind of like clouded my thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. But watching it, it was it was much better watching it. Um, they again, like UFO table, just elevated the series much higher than anything on a pa- on a page could. But yeah, I I don't know. I always had this like thought of like Rengoku being this really nice, sweet guy, and the movie helps portray that much more than a, like just being animated helps portray that much more than a, a book could ever do that. Mm-hmm. Nothing really changed of my thoughts on him because I already really liked him from reading it. But if I was an anime only watcher, I think I would have loved him after seeing this movie because it it is clearly his story. Like Tanjiro and Ko are just kind of there as the catalysts, but it's his story. It's focused on him, and it doesn't That's really good. sway that often from that. That's okay, so. So, yeah, picking back off of that, then, like, you mentioned anime-only viewers. What, what do you think the the international reception would be for this movie? I mean, you loved it, but, like, if you are an anime-only, or if you've read the manga, do you, what do you think that people outside, when we finally get to see it, what do you think the reaction would be to it? I think it would be exactly the same. Uh, I've, I've quickly learned that there isn't much difference in what Japan thinks over the rest of the world. Um, there are, there are, of course, there are differences based on like marketing and hype and some historical contexts like 
what my, my hair academia being the biggest thing in america right now in terms of like anime and manga but i feel like the reception especially for fans of the series or people who did watch the anime will just be overwhelmingly positive it's really hard to find some faults with it the film itself which really tells to how well it was crafted like there's a whole bunch of shonen jump adaptation movies that are just so crap like there's about a thousand naruto movies that are the worst things that have ever been produced whereas this one is better than the anime series and it tells a really good story a really good standalone story and like i even said like i wrote a review that will be out soon that it does a really good job of bringing not only fans of the of the tv anime series into it but also people who may not have seen it so do you think this would be a good movie to for like a first time watcher yeah i there are a lot of stuff you won't get kind of like if you kind of like if you watch just one of the franchises the mcu and then go to avengers you 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 kind of get what's going on and it makes all sense and they craft it to make sense to people who may have just watched guardians. But if you watch everything else, you get the more emotional impact from it. And that's basically mm. the same here. I got you. That doesn't yeah, make sense. sense. I mean, that's, that speaks really well to like, just how we've talked about it on the podcast quite often, just how well paced demon slayer is as a story. You know, yeah. the fact they are able to craft this movie in a sense that even if you've never seen anything before it, you could still more or less follow along what's going on. And I mean, it, it does help, as you said, that this is Kyojiro's story. And up until now, you know, we've seen his face in the TV series or the manga, whichever. I mean, we've seen him. He's around, but not much about him. So going into this movie, this is this is all about him. You know, you don't, yeah. don't have to refer to the TV series to figure out, oh, yeah, they mentioned this thing in the TV series about his past. or No, there's been nothing mentioned. So literally everything about him is there. So that uh, that does speak well to Demon Slayer's pacing. I think Mugen Train especially, it's like it really was kind of the perfect choice for a movie anyways, because not only is it kind of a nice like length, but just from how it's structured, like, it works naturally to be self-contained because it's not necessarily super hinging on what came before and like in the story. So like, like Daza was saying, like someone going in blind to this or someone just vaguely familiar with Demon Slayer can really watch this and probably enjoy it. Yeah. To be able to like thematically focus on, uh, mostly on a single character and then the, the, the setting be mostly isolated to like, yeah, what happens on the train and like slightly after that is like, that's a that's a great choice uh, for for adapting into a movie. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure if I actually remember from the manga, but uh, they introduced like Tanjiro and Zenitsu as well, again to uh, Kojiro. I can't remember <laughs> if they do that in the actual like the manga series itself, but they do, oh, I think they do. reintroduce. Yeah. So it does help in that regard as well, and they also reanimate the ending of the tv anime wow oh so them like reaching the station and everything yeah i see which that's good that's good because that's a great scene and i'm trying to i'm trying to just double check again i think yeah they also have an anime only thing at the start 
with the leader of the Hashiran. Okay. Kind of like explaining some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's the whole scene in the in the graveyard, basically. Because it goes to that, and then it's the end of the TV anime again, where they're at the station, hopping onto the train, and then title, rest of the movie. Nice. Okay. And okay. that's one thing I actually really like, is because they reanimate the same sequences that were kind of already storyboarded, because it looks very similar. There's no like real difference in how like it's storyboarded or framed, but just the way it's animated looks way better because the entire film has this kind of uh, film filter over the top, like a graininess that makes it a little bit less clean, I suppose, than a TV anime, which also helps lend it to look more like an older Studio Ghibli film. Uh, Wait, so the entire film has this filter? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting choice. It's not overwhelming, though, if that makes sense. It looks makes it look more like a film. Just like than, subtle, kind of? Yeah. And I think it also helps because of the era that it's set in, like the whole Taisho era aesthetic. Fits the whole vibe. Yeah, it looks, it looks, kinda, looks real good. I can kind of picture it in my head. It's kind of orangey. So if you rewatch some older Studio Ghibli films, not like the one, not the ones after Modern, okay, the ones before it, they all have this like kind of like filmish grain to it, and that's what's yeah, set here. Yeah, I, I, I'm picturing it in my head now. What you're talking about, I, I, I think I get it. Yeah, same. Can you kind of like see like little specks or whatever? Uh, no, it's not that bad. It's just okay. I was about to say <laughs> intentionally <laughs> damage the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got like a they've got a room in Yorktable where they just like burn some of the like some of the thirty five millimeter. They did fire breathing on it. You mean? Wink, oh yeah, wink. of course. They, they just they <laughs> Kimi no Hara, Yeah, the real secret of the Hinokami Kagura. Yeah. Well, you see what what they did to emulate the Taisho era film experience was that they. They actually shrunk the film itself and then uh, <laughs> resized it like Megalobox. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could see when they were, just before the film started, they had all the canisters. They were just like rolling them into the projection. They lightly toasted the canister over a fire. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's why I had to come out in winter or coming up to winter is because I needed the, the, the summer heat to kind of ruin the film a little bit. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh man. Kidding, by the way, it's 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 perfectly looks yeah, it's yeah. clean, but with this filter over the top, which I think only UFO table can really do because of their digital department. Congratulations to UFO table for being the first uh, anime company to film using an Instagram filter. <laughs> Uh, have you guys seen a silent voice? Because <laughs> yeah, because that's like an Instagram filter of crap. That actually, yeah, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> oh god! Oh, not, but now I might have to go hunt it down because this sounds—it feels like something. It sounds like something I need to see. <laughs> oh, it's 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 Kyoto Animation, so it looks amazing. Yeah, there and it's uh, Oyamada directing too. So wait, Sakaki, yeah. you haven't seen the silent voice? No, I have not. Gasp, but we need to change that. 
Oh no! What have I done? <laughs> it's it's really good. It's it's one of the best anime films ever. Yeah, I mean, Yoshitoki Oima is probably one of the best writers in manga right now, and like Kiyoani just like threw that out of the park, really. But uh, moving back to Demon Slayer, uh, besides <laughs> this movie, uh, have you been to any other like Demon Slayer event in uh, Japan? Um, I know they were going to have some, but they were mostly all cancelled. Hmm. That uh, makes sense. Yeah, all the events at the moment are the virtual ones. So they had one yesterday morning at the first screenings of the film. But of course, I saw it on Friday, so I didn't see that. Um, other than that, Shueisha weren't really ready for the popularity of the film. So there were no events last year, really. Uh, I see. Not the film, sorry, the TV anime series. They weren't. They just didn't expect it to be this popular. Yeah, it took them a while to catch up to the momentum that it was getting. Yeah, and when they did, the whole world kind of shut down. So, but I have watched like the like the specials on uh, Abima and stuff like that. Oh, nice. So I have to watch for work because they normally do news and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I'll just watch it. Oh, there's a new trailer. Okay, write up the story. Nice. Well, I, I think that rounds out most of our questions. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered all the bases we wanted to, unless like there's anything else you wanted to mention about the movie. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> and for everyone on Twitter asking me if your favorite character was in it, yes. They're all in it. Everyone is here. But does their favorite character die? <laughs> it's Smash Ultimate. <laughs> everyone is here. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, if your favorite character is Rengoku, then... I've got some unfortunate news for you, but <laughs> uh, yeah. we couldn't see getting on the train. He got on the train, everybody. I just, I, I, not to, not to derail too much, but I just, as a manga reader, of course I knew what was coming, but when the series, when the TV series ended and, you know, they announced uh, infinity train going into production, it was just funny seeing all of the manga fans, like freaking out about seeing him on the train. I just remember seeing one tweet from a TV fan, like, "Why is everybody freaking about this guy on the train? He looks, he looks happy on the train. <laughs> Why can't he get on the train? Get off the train! Don't let him get on the train!" You like get, you know, you have it like that whole the day that the TV anime ended. It was just you had the anime only people being like, "What's wrong with this guy being on the train? He looks fine." And he has the manga people just freaking out over, "Get him off the train!" <laughs> so and i just i i that moment made me at, at least for that second i love social media yeah that you know my favorite my favorite like uh offshoot of like those memes was like the one of like it's like a rengoku shot on the train smiling and it's like the simpsons uh caption like haha i'm in danger oh yeah <laughs> 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 See, the, but the thing is, he did get off the train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and he got off the train. He should have stayed on the train. He would have lived. This was actually something we mentioned because uh, recently we recorded about uh, a retrospective for the Mugen train arc in the manga. And yeah, that's the conclusion we reached: is that the train did nothing wrong. They should have stayed <laughs> on the train. The train was our friend. It was just the train was kind of. Uh, indoctrinated into Musen's cult for a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> the train was a victim like everyone else. It was. <laughs> Justice for train. <laughs> we needed a sad backstory for the train like we get for all the other demons. 
Jesus Christ. Uh, we've got like what trained episode zero, the first uh its first uh like trime it would Yeah, episode zero round, the, there we go. Land. the little trade that could. We just watch it like coming out of like Tokyo's like uh Taisho era Tokyo station for the first time. <laughs> it's like the train that soon would have been known as the Infinity Train was nothing but a plucky little upstart <laughs> that was faster than every other train. It used to ride down the Tokaido line, giving people from Osaka to Edo their first ever trips in less than five hours. It truly was the god of the land. <laughs> actually, uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was the Tokaido line. Oh, really? Yeah. So now they've got the Shinkansen, which takes like an hour and a half. But I'm pretty sure it was the Tokaido line. So I would have gone on somewhere in between Osaka and Tokyo. Nice. Mm-hmm. Little fun fact. Historical accurate, uh, accuracy in my end? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's the case. Someone's going to be like, no, it's from Aomori. And I'm like, god damn it. Of course it is. <laughs> um, yeah, the only other things I'm going to say is that I felt the film could have been a bit longer. Interesting. Oh, like, they, per- they perfectly adapted the manga. Like, it was perfectly adapted. I'm not. I'm pretty sure there was nothing missing besides some stuff at the end, but I I feel like the fights, especially the last fight, could have been a little longer to get a little bit more emotional impact. Mm-hmm. I see. But that I guess that, that's what comes when uh, if you do like a panel for panel. Not saying that this is what it was, but like when you when you adapt something faithfully, usually it's just hard to like uh, find like where to flourish. Uh, certain scenes unless you you have like a someone who really like likes to take the reins on that kind of stuff and like add their own kind of touch to it yeah yeah especially in like a battle manga where like a lot of the time it's kind of structured so that is kind of like beat by beat by beat when you adapt that into anime you need a little bit of breathing room there Mm -hmm. and i feel like as well because this series this arc was pretty action orientated especially at the start it made it go a lot quicker than what I was expecting. What would you say was the runtime for it? Oh, they've got the runtime for it already. It's been announced. Oh. Uh, oh. It's 117 minutes. Okay. Okay. Right under two um, hours. Yeah. 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 Which pretty- actually is quite a decent time for an anime film, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, so yeah. Maybe, maybe I just wanted more. I think that was maybe it. <laughs> Give me more Demon Slayer. <sighs> Yeah, all the people on the internet wanted more. I mean, some people were sitting there waiting. They had the special, I forgot what it was called today, and everybody was expecting them to announce season two, and nope. I, I <laughs> don't know. I, I saw the, the leakers uh, talking about that, and I'm just like, yeah. they're, not, they're not announcing anything today, like, at all. They're not going to do that. It's either going to be Jump Festa, or they're going to have some sort of... Uh, thing in about three or four weeks to announce season two you heard it here first folks <laughs> i'm not saying they're going to do that but they would do that that's that's <laughs> kind of how it sh- how it normally works i don't know anything about demon slayer you can ask me about other manga that i may know about but i don't know about demon slayer's uh future plans okay yeah i mean it sounds like the movie is amazing and i'm looking forward to when Everyone else can experience it outside of Japan. Yeah, uh, it's a great train to ride, but ride it when it's only safe to do so. 
Yeah, well put. Because there's there's no reason that someone should be going to the cinema. Say if it opened tomorrow in America, you shouldn't go to the cinema and watch it. It's nothing is worth risking your, yourself for that. Yeah, it's just Japan is able to be safe enough to do that. And like we said earlier, uh, there's a chance that this is probably going to be shown uh, to audiences if they decide not to, uh, if they decide to go on ahead and uh, just adapt after that for the the TV anime. So yeah, uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, for over here we'll we'll get uh, like the same kind of treatment and whether they find a way to to put it for streaming or something, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, if Funimation films and Anaplex's like plans fall through, I'm sure they're gonna find like a safer alternative because it doesn't benefit them to put it in theaters if like literally no theater is open and it's not safe for anyone to go to a theater. Yeah, so I was I talking to a fr- friend of mine about this because I I'm very disappointed that Aniplex was like, no, this is gonna go in theaters, um, and not go for a virtual screening. But then I looked at all the other Funimation films that have come out in the last year, and they've done virtual screenings of it, but yeah. only after the Blu-ray in Japan has come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that, I think that has to do, uh, I guess, like piracy thing, where yeah. it, uh, they can't show stuff digitally unless like it's already out in a home video in Japan. Yeah, and I think that's going to be kind of like the virtual time people can watch it Mm -hmm. but in saying that uh we're looking at some of the biggest films to come out in japan ever uh it has already broken many box office records uh including like admissions like how many admissions per day uh it's made the most money per day ever it's already by my estimates basically it will have surpassed the entire lifetime run of Dragon Ball Super Broly. Goodness gracious. By, by the end of today. If it hasn't already. Yeah, that, that's madness. Is, today is a Sunday in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that's 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 one thing as well, is a lot of late night anime films don't do well on Sundays. Because Sundays is usually the days that kids go to the movies. But because it's Demon Slayer, it might do better than Saturday, which is, again, crazy. It doesn't happen. <laughs> so, like, for example, uh, Frozen 2 was the second most, second best week, oh, now it's the second best weekend ever in Japan. And most of it made, made most of its money on a Sunday because of the kids going to go see it. Whereas uh, something like Star Wars was mostly Friday, Saturday. Demon Slayer has doubled that already, both of them. Like, we're looking at a film making 5 billion yen in a weekend, which has never happened here before. You, you uh, got everybody listening to that? That's We're not talking about best anime film or best... And not This is just the best anime film. It's the best film ever. <laughs> yeah, no, we're talking about, like, being Frozen, which, if you've ever been to Japan, you know how big Frozen is. Frozen? Uh, Disney? Yeah. 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 I, I know. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying it for emphasis for our listeners. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're we're talking about like it beating Harry Potter, which is again really popular in Japan. Uh, the best opening weekend ever was Matrix Reloaded, surprisingly enough, which means it's had like a huge time at number one, 
and it's already beaten that. Um, like 10 billion yen, usually for a film in Japan, like a Japanese film released in Japan domestically, is usually the point where this is done really well. Demon Slayer Mukun Train would have done half of that in one weekend. All right, this is this is my question for you, Dasa. Um, how long do you see this theater run lasting in Japan? That w- that was going to be the next thing I was going to say is because it's so big, and I feel it's quite rewatchable as well. Especially they keep doing theater benefits. Those Demon Slayer merchandise fans are just. Oof. Um, <laughs> I feel like it could be a like a your name type of run. Mm, yeah. Which which is like a year, I think, cinemas. And they re-released it again. Yeah. So we may not see a Blu-ray for this for a while. That was that was exactly my hope and fear. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, we've been discussing this, like, uh, Marion and I, and we've been discussing this, like, privately for a while. Just, like, how long is this... How long are we going to get a Blu-ray release here? And, I mean, Blu-ray release, period. Not even just here. And then, yeah, that was one thing that came like if it it could pull a your name or a promare and just stay in theaters indefinitely <laughs> just yeah i would say yeah no promare is probably a really good example for how long it might be in cinemas Man, which, is, your first which is a good or bad thing <laughs> for me it's fine i can just go back and watch it but yeah uh, yeah right. um oh wait okay i have one more one last question last question do you think this has any chance of being outdone by Evangelion? No. Okay. Uh, 100% <laughs> not. No. no. Don't even have to think about that. Uh, no hesitation. <laughs> no. I was I was looking up uh, a few weeks ago when they when they had that Evangelion celebration mm-hmm. and when Anno announced to please wait a little bit longer. We hadn't finished it yet basically, even though it should have been out months earlier. I know. And I was like, all right, so what's the box office, basically, for Evangelion? And it's not as much as you would think it was. Like, it does decently, but not, like, your name levels of good. It's it's basically a little bit better than the average anime film. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is still, like, otaku stuff. And it's, to put, uh, put it in perspective, uh, Evangelion 2.0, the box office run for it, has already been surpassed by Mugen Train. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it surpassed Frozen 2, of course it'll surpass. No, no, Frozen 2's opening weekend. No, I'm talking about the entire run of Evangelion Ah, uh, okay. That's actually, that's actually funny. Um, it could surpass 3.0 this weekend, but I'm doubtful. Just because 3.0 is like 5 billion yen. Uh, 5.3 or 4 billion yen. Mm. I'm saying the upper limit for Demon Slayer this weekend would probably be 5 billion yen. I'm That's that's the highest I'm going. And watch me be wrong. And so it was spoken. Yeah. Place your bets now, folks. We're talking about a film that's probably going to do better than most uh, Hosoda films as well. Most what films? Hosoda. Most like Maru Hosoda? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, it's unfathomable. It's 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 end game here. Man. I can't keep stressing that enough. It's it's basically Japan's end game, and I'd be really surprised. I'll, I'll be surprised to see how well it does overseas. 
because I know anime films in America don't do great. Um, I don't think it'll do as well as Dragon Ball did. Yeah, that's like the, that's the exception of. Yeah, I mean, I think Broly too. Like, what helped it do that so well was the fact that like they kept it in theaters for quite a while, compared to like the vast majority of like other anime screenings around here. Yeah, so I don't think it'll do that well. But again, watch me be wrong. It's really, um, I think it's really going to depend on Plex because, uh, for the most part here, uh, whenever Aniplex does uh, theater runs, they're usually only like a couple nights, but like spread through uh, like a lot of theaters. But when it comes to like Funimation, they they kind of like limit like how many theaters they they buy out, but uh, they do have like a longer time running. Yeah, I mean, like, I think like Aniplex, at least for recent films, they've been going through Fathom. Um, but I think the logic with using Funimation films for Demon Slayer was to get, like, a more broader scope, because, like, yeah. th- that's what they yeah. did with Broly, is that, like, Broly was able to do so well because it was in so many theaters. Right. And funny, as, uh, I think it, uh, where are they, is Universal? Is it Universal who has taken them? Or is Sony's. it, like, a- it's Sony. Sony, but there's a, there's another, uh, like, their distribution, their distribution is handled by someone. I mean, for Dragon Ball, the distribution was Fox, I believe. Because Fox owns all the uh, film rights for Dragon Ball. Yeah, and that masterpiece, Dragon Ball Evolution, we, we praise it to this day. To put it in perspective, Dragon Ball's oh, film rights are now owned by Disney. Yeah, that, that's... Oh, shit. That's weird that's to think true. about. <laughs> wow, Goku and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Stop! That can Stop. happen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> No, 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 no. wait, wait. I need you to think about this for a second, though. Like, we could legitimately have Goku in a Simpsons episode. So, oh no, (laughs) don't, don't, don't bring that up. It it would, it would still have to be approved by Shueisha, and uh, they probably wouldn't approve of that. Yeah, can't, can't, can't have, can't have that. I don't know, man. We did have Dragon Ball Evolution, but (laughs) it doesn't exist, Sakaki. It's not real. It can't hurt us. Dragon Ball Evolution did one thing, one really good thing, and that was tell Toriyama to make more Dragon Ball because he was so depressed about how <laughs> badly that was handled. Yup. He got humbled by his hubris. <laughs> There's no way that someone can fuck up my series. Hot, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my dear. I guess we've exhausted all the topics we have for this. So yeah, I mean, this has been a fantastic discussion. I mean, thank you so much for coming on, Daza. That's all right. I appreciate you guys inviting me. I'm just happy to talk about Demon Slayer. I've only had really my review, which I've I've written. It just has to come out. Um, awesome. We'll plug we... that in when uh, we upload Yeah, the, that's probably depending on when the episode was released. It probably is already out. So you can read that over on Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll News, I should say. Uh, I'll have a link on my Twitter, which is at Dr. Dazza. So, yeah. Anything else you want to plug in? Uh, I've got a YouTube channel, which I'd sometimes make videos for, uh, which is The Dr. Dazza. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think that's it. Awesome. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of anything anything else about Mugen Train that is amazing, besides all of it. Um <laughs> The CG. The CG was a bit meh. That's about battle. Uh, so, I, I, have you guys seen Fate? Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
fate, fate, heavens, fill and stuff. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I seen the first two. Yeah, yeah. So this the CG department of Uftable are not as good as the rest of the departments, which is mm-hmm. totally fair. They're still better than basically every other anime studio, but it does look a little bit janky. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I makes mean, sense. to be fair, like most of what Fate is known for is their like, like special effects division, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, the, like, their the digital that... pro- post processing is amazing. Yes, exactly. And that's on full force here. Like that's it's better than I've ever seen it. The CG though, ugh. <laughs> but that doesn't last well, very long, so that's alright. Well, as long as they have models like they had in the TV show, I, I'll, I'll be fine with it because they were they weren't that jarring at all. Uh, when they had like the like the three D models for like Tanjiro or Zenitsu or whatever, when they have to do those uh, like super like pan around the three D environment type shots, like I was totally fine with them in the TV show. And seeing as how the movie's even more beefed up uh, in terms of that, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine for me. Like, I, I'm not talking about the models, the characters. I'm more talking about like Emu's second form of the tentacles. Uh, oh, oh. oh yeah, never mind. Those yeah. ugly, like, flesh formations and shit. So it probably yeah, looks that... like those giant, like, CG monsters and say, like, Fate Zero and Fate Stay Night. Yeah, it's it's, it's about that. Yeah. Fair enough. Totally fair. But yeah. that's the worst thing I can say about the film. So, go see. Anything, they did, they did their job, because those are the ugliest shit. There's no folks here, there. Uh. <laughs> there. <laughs> All right, I guess we should plug our stuff. Yeah. Sakaki, do you want to start? Sure. I don't mind starting at all. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at WSS Talkback on Twitter and wsstalkback.blogspot.com for the blog. I Basically, I talk about everything that's in Shonen Sunday in there because I would like people to know that there are things other than Conan and whatever Takahashi is doing. <laughs> so... Please check those out. Um, I'm always looking for more writers. If you like a Shogaku Khan series, it doesn't have to be in Sunday. It doesn't have to be in Shonen Sunday. It doesn't even have to be currently running. If you just want to talk a retrospective about Kikaishi or something, I'm down. Hey. You know? <laughs> Don't I'm tell down. me. Don't give them my idea. Come on. Okay. Idea. And yes, of course, Marion writes for us amazing article. Last one was about ping pong, which... I was on the fence on, do I just want to watch the anime again or just read the manga? And Marion's article was so great that I'm like, manga. That that helped me make up my mind. So definitely check out uh, Marion's writing there. And again, the Twitter is, I go through the entire Shonen Sunday magazine every week and talk about what's in it. And uh, yeah, I also, I mean, besides this podcast, I'm on Shaman King, uh, the Oversoul podcast, which Vilor will give you more information on. <laughs> Uh, uh, and I feel sorry for fans of Shaman King at the moment because they're just like anime. Oh, there's nothing else we know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a drip feed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? I write for Toonami Faithful. Uh, I've actually got a good article idea in mind. I've always wanted to write, but you know now I'm getting the green light to write it, so expect that soon. And then you can also hit me up at uh, at Kirobon K I I R. B-O-N on Twitter as well. Things have been going on there. So I know normally my gag is I say there's nothing worth looking at there, but now there is. So have a look. I mean, there's always stuff going on there. Don't lie to the people. It's my party out of life. I want to. 
<laughs> but Marion, do you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I write for Sakaki's blog uh, at wsstalkback.blogspot.com. Uh, I review stuff from Shonen Sunday or other kind of stuff like uh, Komi Can't Communicate, uh, Tony Kaku Kawaii. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I wrote about ping pong and I wrote about uh, Urasawa stuff that came out uh, recently. Uh, besides that, I write on my personal blog as heavensdoorknob.wordpress.com. And I also write for Toonami Faithful. Uh, you can check out my writing there. Uh, I go under the, the, the name Microwavy, uh, which it's also my Twitter hang- handle, but uh, it's spelled a little differently. It's at Microwavy, the E before the B. And uh, that has all my projects there. Uh, if you're interested in any other podcasts, uh, I I co-host on way too many podcasts. Um, uh, I'm part of the Good Friends Anime Club at Good Friends Cast on Twitter. Um, I'm also part of a Haiku Podcast, The View from the Top. It's at Haiku Pod. Uh, also the Dora Dora Podcast at Dora Dora Pod. Uh, I'm part of Oversoul and DSP with Sakaki and Beloid. And uh, sometimes you can find me guesting on Manga, Manga, Manga Mavericks and uh, the My Hero Academia podcast. You can check me out there. Yeah, awesome. Definitely follow all these fine books. They're all amazing. Um, if you're interested in me, though, you can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ. And I also write uh, manga and light novel reviews for all-comic.com. And I also write editorials over at TanamiFaithful.com. Uh, aside from that... I am streaming on Twitch a bit more regularly now over at twitch.tv slash VLGTZ. So pop in there if you want to see me epically fail at playing Dragon Quest. Because I am terrible at Dragon Quest. Hey, you beat the first one, though. <laughs> yeah, mostly from pure luck. <laughs> you gotta, every oh, RPG has a, their set of RNG, you know? Yeah, the, the magic of RNG. But aside from that, uh, I do a bunch of podcasts. As Kaki and Marion have mentioned, our new baby is the Oversoul Shaman King podcast, where we're going through Kodansha's release of Shaman King. So if you've been going through that release lately, uh, go check it out. It's pretty good, and I think uh, a lot of people will enjoy it. Aside from that, I am on the Dumb Weebs podcast, which is a general anime and manga podcast. You can find that on Twitter at dumb weebs pod so go check that out as well but if you're interested in the demon slayer podcast you can find that on twitter at d slayer podcast on facebook at facebook.com slash demon slayer podcast and on the tsunami faithful website itself at tsunami faithful.com slash demon slayer podcast and the podcast is streaming on basically everything at this point apple Podcasts, anchor spotify you name it, we're there. So just go look us up, subscribe, and enjoy the episodes. But that does it for this episode, so we will see you guys later. Later. Don't be late for the train. <laughs> the train jokes never end. <laughs> the hype train doesn't end. Exactly. We're just training for when the movie comes out here. <laughs> uh...